We're going to jump into Psalm 1. We're going to read that together today. So a couple things before we read it aloud is, one, um, as Austin and, and maybe John too, when he taught last week, um, as we've been saying about the Psalms, is that they are like poems. They're blessings. They're prayers. All, lots of different things, but it's, it's like a poem, right? So there's a ton of metaphor and all the literary devices, and so there's a lot of things that seem that we might not understand at the face, just like if you think of like taking a poetry class in high school or college, you're like, that's not what I thought that was going to mean. It's, it can be the same with the Psalms, and so it's good for us to be really open-handed about um, how to read them. Uh, not that I have the answer of how to read this specific one, but just keeping that in mind as we read, um, as we read Psalm 1 today. And then also something I thought was interesting, so there's not really a consensus on the author or the writer of this psalm, um, but a lot of people think that Solomon, uh, King Solomon maybe wrote it as it's, it was common for a son to collect the works of his father, and maybe this was written kind of as an introduction. Um, and then the last thing that really stuck out to me is that, or like as I've been thinking about Psalm 1, was that it's not one I was really familiar with. So it felt really um, inviting to read it like a new thing and it to be something new without sort of old ways of being taught sort of mixed in with it. So I don't know if that would be the same for you. Um, but I want to start with um, kind of like a mini version of Lexio Divina, which we've talked about some. So I'm going to read it one time through. Just, it's pretty short, so we're not like Psalm 119-ing you, but I'm going to read it just one time through. Just allow it um, to kind of be over you. And then the second time, I want you to just see what stands out to you and kind of hold on to that. Um, we're not going to do anything with it. Just let whatever stands out um, come up. So, Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season. And their leaves do not wither, in all they do they prosper. <coughs> the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Mm. I'm going to read it once more. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. If anyone wants to just share what line or words did out to them, I'll welcome that, but it's okay if not. Yeah. 
Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, Ellen. Thank you. Anyone else? For me, I was really stuck on the first line, which says, happy are those. And I looked up like other, um, other translations to see like, if that is different. And so I found, happy are those, happy is the man, oh, the joys of those, how blessed is the one, blessed is the person, blessed is the man, blessed is the one. One translation had is italicized, so I was like, I don't know what that means in the Bible, but it's like, blessed is the one, or I don't know. I was like, I'm not sure how we should read that, but so, so I'm thinking about the word blessed and happy and like, are they the same word? Are they different words? Um, I, I know I've talked about this before, but that because of sort of what blessed has become in our culture, that I have a lot of like, I want to like hold the word at a distance. And so I was thinking about like, this is not something that's my go-to because I don't feel trained in this or I'm not sure of this like block of like looking up what the Hebrew word was, but I was like, I can do that. <laughs> like that's, I have the internet. I can read. I can figure this out. And so the word is, I'm actually not clear. It's Esher, Asher. Um, and so what it means in Hebrew is very, very happy. And sometimes it's translated as happy. Sometimes it's translated as blessed. Um, but a lot of times like that word just gets turned into blessed. And so one definition I saw of it, it just means like, oh, how happy, like as in a state of happiness. Um, and so it just in looking that word up, I began to shift how I see this word that feels like outrageously complicated. And from simplifying it, I was thinking about how that um, blessing doesn't, doesn't mean what it's used, right? It's not like this easy life or rich or the, the um, like something that you're even like given necessarily, right? Like stuff or health or know, like a trip. I don't know. It's like, you know, or a hat, like hashtag blessed. But like that it's not just this like thing that is given, but like blessing or a blessed life. I think in, in this scripture, it almost shows it like it's more of a choice, that the, the psalmist is saying in choosing God over and over, that that's where the joy, the happiness, um, the contentment kind of comes in. Like in that choosing of God, we find God, which is the blessing. And so I think that like shift, for me, shifting of seeing like God being the blessing, God being the happiness that we're receiving um, was a really lovely shift this week. And so I looked up even the definition of happy, just, you know, Webster's Dictionary, and it says, feeling or showing pleasure or contentment. So that's one, is like happy in the moment, swimming with my kids or not with my kids or whatever it is that makes me happy. And then also having a sense of confidence or satisfaction. So I sort of thought of it as like arc of happiness, like maybe every moment doesn't feel happy, but just this overlying contentment or satisfaction. And so then I think we can like shift our thinking about this passage so it's not like prosperity or the good life that you are getting by not being wicked. Um, it's not like if you're good, then you'll be rich and happy all the days, right? Or even like this is very like if you're not wicked, if you're not in that path. Um, and I think that's a lot what I do, what our culture does is that we really want to be able to like do a certain thing that equals another thing, right? So like if we're really good parents and we read the right books about parenting, then we will have 
good kids, whatever that means. Or if we eat the right foods, then we will not have cancer and die when we're 45 or, or whatever it is, right? That we keep thinking if we just do this one thing, then uh, this other thing will happen. I think we're even, some of us hold to like, I must be praying wrong or what I'm praying for would, would happen, right? Or need more people. I need to like, I don't know, get the text chain going. Then if I could just pray hard enough, then my, the outcome I want, I can control it. Um, right? Or that if we're staying away from wicked, that we'll be blessed and all will be right. It's this perpetuation kind of of like, if you're good, then whatever will happen. Um, and so I think it's like if we are shifting the blessing to mean just happiness and not complicating the word so much, um, then I, it's a whole different reading. And for me, I feel way more interested because it's not in conflict with my experience, right? It's not in conflict. It's like, well, I've been really good. I've like been really did all the things I was supposed to, and, and life still doesn't quite look like what I'm told is like good or rich or happy or those things. And so there's sort of a relief in it that what we're looking for is not what I think our culture tells us is happy or is blessed, but it's an entirely different thing. I found this great list whenever I was looking up that uh, word for blessed, for happy, um, and it's just from Psalms and Proverbs, but all of the times that word asher or esher is used. Um, and these are some. It says, Happy are all those, are all who take refuge in God. Happy are those who put their trust in God. Happy are those who are not proud. Happy are those who consider the poor. Happy are those who observe justice and do righteousness. Happy are those whose strength is in God. Happy are those who find wisdom and understanding. Happy are those who keep God's ways. Happy is the one who listens, who watches, who waits for God. Happy are those who are gracious to the poor. And then we see it in, in Psalm 119, which I'm not sure if we've taught about this, but it's a, an acrostic poem. And the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet is kind of like an A. So Asher is the word that is used in that part of the poem. And so it says, Happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Happy are those who keep his decrees and seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong and walk in his ways. And so then I think this can take us back to Psalm 1, um, and we can look at it maybe a little differently. Um, I found this quote from Eugene, Peter Eugene Peterson, which I've been uh, thinking about a ton all week. And this is what Eugene Peterson says about Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is not a prayer, exactly, but the preface to a prayer. We do not begin by praying, but by coming to attention. Psalm 1 is the biblical preparation for a life of prayer. Step by step, it detaches us from activities and words that distract us from God so that we can be attentive before God. Psalm 1 provides a kind of entryway into the place of prayer. And so I want to spend a little time on verses 2 and 3 specifically, and I was kind of feeling, like, funny to choose two verses from it because all of the other ones are really negative and these are kind of more positive. Um, but then I was thinking about, like, being a kid. This is a side story I was not planning, but I was thinking about being a kid, and I had these cards where we memorized scripture, and it was like, A, all we like sheep have gone astray. B, something else negative about you. C, children obey your parents and Lord, right? So it's all of these messages that I received for so long was like, they were just kind of picking out the things about how sinful I was. So like, why can't I just <laughs> swing the pendulum over and focus on these for today? So we're going to kind of stick for a little bit longer in <laughs> verses two, or th two and three. Um, 
which says this. So we can say, happy are those, right, who don't do this, but their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. Jeremiah 17 has a verse that really mimics this. It says, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. That shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it is not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. And so I like to open up um, that idea of being like a tree planted by water. Um, what that means to you, even, like either just within the metaphor, kind of what you see that to mean, or maybe what that might mean specifically within your life, if anyone wants to, to share something. love that. There's like a steadiness within the growth. Yeah, it's beautiful. I really like love a metaphor for life in Christ being like water, like all of them. Uh, so many speak to me like living waters, spring that won't run dry, just there, it seems endless. And so I think this one kind of fits in there. And it, it made me think of, um, of an idea about prayer that I first heard, I think, with Richard Rohr. Um, David Benner also writes about it. There's a book some of us read for a book study a few years ago where he talks about uh, this some, but it's that... It's, it's like in our text, the delighting, meditating on the law. It's also um, like the scripture that says pray without ceasing. And it's a shift from like prayer being all of our words all the time, right? It's like a shift from it being like, I don't know, whatever, acts, adoration, whatever thing you learned as a kid on how to pray. It's, it's a shift from that um, in, into more of a posture or like a way of being. Uh, Richard Rohr says this, prayer is not primarily saying words or thinking thoughts. It is rather a stance. It's a way of living in the presence, living in awareness of the presence, and even of enjoying the presence. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with groanings too deep for words. And God, who searches hearts, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. 
Rohr says further that prayer can be like finding the waters and wading in them. And so I think what I see as this invitation from Paul in, you know, 1 Thessalonians, um, I just shifted something, um, and, and the invitation in Psalm 1 and the invitation from Eugene Peterson is that, that there's this part of prayer that's coming to attention. It's like being attentive before God. Um, and I would add to that, not just attentive before God, but before ourselves, before each other, before creation. Um, and so I know that this sounds very like uh, woo or whatever, maybe, right? It sounds like, okay, prayer can be anything. But I... I I circled around this for so long, and it took me a long time to kind of release into prayer um, being more than just my words. And I, I think that it's like, if we think about Paul's words, like, nobody can pray without ceasing if you're just like, dear God, thank you for my day, right? That's not, that, there has to be more. There has to be more that we're invited into. And so I, it made me think about, I had someone I was talking with recently, and she was telling this beautiful story. She's like, I got up, and I was going to pray, and I was going to, like, journal before my kids got up, and I went and sat on my porch and just, like, watched this bird for a long time. And I was like, could that be prayer? And she's like, no, no. And then, because I really wanted her to think it was prayer, I, like, was like, are you sure? (laughs) You know, like, I wouldn't let it go, because for me, that is part of prayer. That is part of that coming to attention and and observing and... um, Yes, and so I think it's really okay if you want to, like, reject what I'm saying. You're like, boo, that's not prayer, you know? That's okay. That's, like, step one in us uh, deciding what prayer is, what we think the Bible says prayer is, and what we think our own experience show us that prayer is. But, um, yeah, I, I just think that this, like, opening up um, of prayer is, is just a really important uh, piece of our, of our spiritual lives. It's been huge for me. Um, and so I want to open again. I feel like I don't know how much y'all are wanting to talk today. But I, I want to open to say, like, if, if there's something in your life, uh, small or this can be big, that feels like prayer um, but that isn't words, or another way to put it right is just something that feels so utterly sacred but isn't normally put into that container of, like, what gets to count um, that you'd want to share, I, I would love, uh, love to hear from you.
I mean, I think that's something like we're living in a really neat time、yeah. where there's this intersection of like there's like research, scientific research about gratitude. And we read that in the Bible, like you know, like we can see both about like what that can mean for our lives. Yeah, thanks for me. I think laughter is a great one. Yeah, thank you. Beautiful. It's the like practice of tending for me has been yeah very prayerful. Thank you. It's wonderful.、Mm. That, like that, like running for me. That's yeah. Yeah. Sometimes just like the movement, like motion. Yeah. Okay. I know this can sound different, or、um, some of us are, want to reject, or, or whatever. All those things, but I, I really believe. That this broadening of our view of prayer is just a huge step、um, towards finding this life of prayer that we're called to.、Um, it's all these words we use, right? Like attentiveness to God, dwelling,、uh, abiding in God, God's presence, like that capital P that was used in Richard Rohr's quote.、Um, and so I think that these things are what's like included in that path to blessing and to happiness that we are invited to. And so, sure. Turning away from wickedness or the path of sinners, but I think more about that, like planting ourselves near the stream,、um, turning towards God, towards goodness, towards each other, towards creation,、um, towards presence, and、um, yeah, and and I think also the invitation. I didn't say this at the beginning, but this section of Psalms in my Bible is called the Two Ways, which is very like there's a choice. Like we have agency in that. It's like we can choose to plant ourselves near the streams, and you know, like Ellen was saying, we can't choose sort of what's going to happen, but like where those roots are, like, that feels like a choice according to Psalm one, and and then of course there's all the things that come, like you're saying.、Um, Fruit in different seasons doesn't have to be every day. You're not like 
popping out apples or whatever, but like fruit seasonally, but also like the longer we're there, the deeper that our roots grow. Um, yeah, and so I think like you all have been sharing like with walking and, and, and running and plants and laughter with friends and all of those things that um, all of those things can open us up to this, uh, this, what does it say, delighting in the law of the Lord, which I know is probably not scripture, but like that broadening of prayer I think is really important. And so that is my hope and my prayer for you. Um, I'm going to end by reading you a poem uh, that I've read recently, but I think would be good. But this is um, from Mary Oliver. And then we're going to move into a time of communion. Um, Mandy is going to lead us um, through our liturgy. And I just um, wanted to remind you that here at Church at East, that the table is open to everyone. So let me read this poem over you, and then we'll um, move into a time of communion. And also, I I should say, um, the little bags at the front are gluten-free, if that is a need of yours. And then the others are glutened. I don't know. I, I say that word every time. Okay, if you'll just, uh, if you want to close your eyes and just receive this um, opening, this poem is called Praying. It doesn't have to be the blue iris. It could be weeds in a vacant lot or a few small stones. Just pay attention. Then patch a few words together and don't try to make them elaborate. This isn't a contest but the doorway into thanks in a silence in which another voice may speak.